Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Tudora. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I think that I really haven't been paying attention as much to uh, my body and um, my feelings and that sort of thing, um, which is very unusual for me. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I do want to talk about that because, you know, I've, being a disabled person and being on social security for like a, a large portion of my adult life, mm-hmm. I have a lot of time to, to devote to like, uh, emotions and, um, you know, my body mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and I, and I, you know, I, I did stuff. I went to school and I would, you know, intern part time and that kind of thing. So I wasn't like, but I still had more time, like working, <laughs> working a full time job. Like it feels like you have no time for yeah. anything. It really, it. it really does. You have to prioritize so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have to prioritize even harder because you also have a kid. So, um, but you know, there's a lot of time that it takes for me to feel normal and good. And I've been slacking. Yeah. And I've been slacking on meditation. Yeah. A lot too. Me too. A little bit. Um, and I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like shit. I, ha- I'm, I'm still trying, but I just, I can't get in the headspace of like, where I, I, I normally am and I don't know I don't know exactly why that happened, but it probably does have something to do again with the death of my father, which at this point, like I'm starting to wonder, I'm like, how long am I supposed to like feel bad about this? Mm. <laughs> but um, you know, it it is to the point where I'm like, well, how much like I've certainly tried to deal with it, but I think there there is a certain part of me that's like kind of put it off too you know mm-hmm. um worked on getting myself on my feet again before trying to deal with it if if that makes trying sense. to deal with the like f- processing of the emotions well like i don't think i can personally deal with like heavy emotions unless i'm like in a good place yeah physically um emotionally maybe even so i think a lot of that time was like i was really stressed out because i had been traveling a lot i needed to get back into the rhythm of things i needed to find things to do that made me happy Mm -hmm. and and putting that all into place before really deciding to be like okay now we're going to deal with these emotions which I don't know. You could argue maybe that's not the best approach, but if you're, you know, running like a chicken with your head cut off and trying to deal with emotions at the same time, that could also probably be disastrous. Mm -hmm. So, uh, (laughs) but (laughs) I went to the doctor because I decided, okay, I can't do everything at once. I am trying you know, to deal with my disability, to deal with these emotions, to, to work full time every day and do stuff that makes me happy. And it was just getting really hard. And um, I like I looked into it and I'm like, I would really like to get 
some intermittent time off of work. Um, and if you have a serious illness like me, you can. It's not going to be paid. Um, <laughs> but they have they have to like let you do it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I I'm really not very motivated like money motivated mm -hmm. i'm really not and i'm like i don't even care if i you know don't get paid for the, that time yeah you know my hr is a uh, lady she's just trying to convince me like we can figure it out without like you know you losing your paid time i'm like i don't care mm -hmm. can we just do this this seems easier to me i'll just be like i need off and then you just take it off mm -hmm. and then i'll be good <laughs> like i i don't want to have to like ask permission to Oh, please let me take this time off uh, the goodness of your heart and still pay me and not let me have to take my PTO, you know. Um, I went to the doctor because I was like, let me get the doctor on my side first. Mm. And I go there and I, and I talk to her and I tell her like how stressful it's been to have not have any time off work from the point when my dad died till now. And being like, I, they gave me three days of, of bereavement leave. And I'm like, that would be a, that'd be an interesting feat to like get over the death of a loved one in three days. Uh -huh. I, um, wild. I'd like to see someone try. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and, and I was telling her how stressful it was. Like I'm starting, like I was getting a lot of physical pain and symptoms that going along with it. Because, you know, stress and, and emotional problems can just make you feel bad physically. Even if it's not making you feel bad emotionally, but obviously that was the case too. And I just started crying. And she was like, oh, I guess you need to go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm like, could you just help me get the FMLA? Like, seriously, that would be... <laughs> that'd be really helpful. And so... She's like, yeah, okay, just send me whatever. I'll fill out the paperwork. So anyways, the, the HR lady didn't, didn't even make me fill out the paperwork. And I'm like, here we are. I'm finally here. I haven't used it yet. You don't know how excited I am to know that I have the security to have a day where I don't feel good, that I can just take off, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have to use my paid time off. I can still have, like, a vacation. Mm -hmm. Like, that is just... A miracle and you know i i'm really beyond thankful for for that 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 you know we have that uh as something our government allows us to do even if it's unpaid maybe maybe you could argue we should still be paid for it but i'm fine with this honestly um i mean what counts as a safety net in our society like I, mean, I don't lose any of my benefits, right, you know, I yeah. still have my job, yeah. like, yeah, they, because, I mean, I'm sure back in the day people got fired for, like, needing to take time off for their illness. Yeah, I wonder how this kind of stuff is going over time. Like, it feels like the situation for workers is, like, pretty dire these days. Yeah. I, and, you know, obviously there have been many dire times for the workforce in history in this country and everywhere. But like at the same time, I feel like there's such a groundswell of 
of of like assertion of the right to have this kind of thing mm-hmm. you know and like people are just quitting their jobs like crazy like since the pandemic started mm-hmm. um which i feel like is at least partially out of recognition that like this just this whole shit this whole situation is just not tenable for people it's like not survivable and, you know, I think another thing, like mm-hmm. they actually had time to think about whether their job made them happy. Yeah, totally. Right. Because you can't you don't even have time to reflect on on whether this is an arrangement that works, let alone anything else that you need to reflect on. Or that's, just that's like, what I like. It's not been my too, like just having the time to reflect on it yeah. and, and being like, this isn't a good situation for me. I should have had more time off when, you know. When my dad died, you know. Yeah, three when days. It wasn't really good. wild. <sighs> HR is such a funny thing. Like, they have to translate things that really happen to real people who work for them into, like, numbers and spreadsheet rows. Mm. And that job is kind of thankless, but also... You know, it really should be like the most important department in a company, right? Yeah. And like mm-hmm. that should, and like the director of HR should be one of the most powerful people in the company. And if anything about the bottom line at the company puts any kind of undue strain on the HR department, to that that might like threaten the lot, like the well being of employees the HR director should be able to like veto that mm-hmm. it seems to me like what what good is any of this if you can't retain people or keep them happy but yeah that's just not how executives seem to see the reality by and large and like there are very few companies like there there are so few companies that really work that way that the ones that even start to work that way kind of tend to turn it into like a PR thing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not, it's like too good to be true. And, you know, like I've worked at companies that had, you know, in, in, in the Bay area, it's, it's really common. I don't know anymore, but certainly when I was there, like at tech and tech adjacent media companies, it was really common to have an unlimited vacation policy. Yeah. Where like you can just take time off whenever you want. No questions asked as long as your manager like doesn't need you then. Mm -hmm. And no one did it. Like it, it turned, it turned out that the sort of pop science behind why this was an okay thing for companies to do is that people take less vacation than they do at companies where they have a fixed amount of days that they have well, to use Well, that's because, up. like, now you're going to be compared to everyone else. Exactly. Like, how many days is this guy taking off versus how many days is this guy taking off, you yep. know? Yeah. And you don't want to be the guy that's taking all the vacation time off. Yeah. Like, that doesn't reflect good on you. So right. I can totally see that. I mean, I like the idea. Yeah, but it's, like, it's it's clearly cynical because it's 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 like like it's like in parentheses at the end of that statement it's like and then you'll never get promoted right yeah like you can either have vacations or get promoted and and so it's you know it's it's really interesting because it's like that shows that in that the fewer 
sort of hard regulations and, and like quantified measures of human health your company provides, the, the kind of more barbaric and predatory it is, right? Well, yeah. So, so what do you think about like, you know, they, I know that people would promote a lot of like mindfulness at the workplace, uh -huh. like have a meditation room, have a, you know, I don't know, a Zen space or something like that. Um, and they're like, this is, you know, if people do this, it's proven to just make them want to work more. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> well, so I was actually around at the sort of beginning of that trend in tech companies, like particularly at Google. Uh, and I even went to a conference called Wisdom 2.0, if you can believe that that's a thing that somebody actually named something. Uh, that was like a tech conference about spirituality. Mm -hmm. uh, I went there to cover it and uh, heard a lot of these first initial pitches about how like mindfulness is the word they always used uh, and, and, and like productivity belong together, right? And so there was a while where companies were just providing like quiet rooms with cushions, sitting cushions and yoga mats in them as like a benefit at work that you could just go into in the middle of the workday and like have a quiet space to be. And that is kind of wonderful, no matter what you think, you know, like the CEO probably thinks if we let them do meditation, they'll be happier and more productive. But like, that doesn't mean you can't just like go do Zazen, you know, like it, it doesn't actually concretely benefit the company it's just like a nice thing for employees to have. But the thing is that gradually got replaced with these like more structured curricula where like teachers come in and they give you guided meditations that are about be becoming more productive and stuff. Mm, no, 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 no. Then these apps started coming out, you know, which is like the same thing where it's like, you know, hypnosis about being okay with your situation. And so the whole thing just became this commodity uh, where it's not even really about quiet anymore. It's about like filling your head with yeah. propaganda. Yeah, you know, like that's, it's very powerful too. Um, and I've actually done um, self-hypnosis. I mean, hmm. I did it when I was like 13 and it was very effective. I uh, hypnotized myself to eat healthier. And um, it has not worn off to this day. Um, and I hypnotized myself to be more outgoing. And that has also not worn off to this mm. day. And then more recently when I was doing uh, interviews, mm -hmm. because, you know, this was going to be my first like big, big girl job, you know. And uh, I hypnotized myself to be more like, um, confident and like interview type situations stuff and I, I think that really did extend into my career as well mm. and I've been thinking recently like I told my sister about that and I was like yeah like it really does work by the way like as long as you know it gets you making suggestions to yourself and there's you know really nothing more powerful than that and um, I uh, have thought about it recently so she did it and she was like yeah i think this like kind of worked i forgot what she, hers was but 
I've been thinking if I do self-hypnosis again, like I want to be very careful with what I am like choosing as a, as a topic. Because it works. Because it works. Yeah. And I don't want to give myself the wrong kind of suggestion. Totally. Like, let me think very carefully about what I actually want, you know, and what the consequences of having that thing are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so far I think that they have been beneficial things, you know, but I want to make sure that at the end of the day, whatever I decide to do a self-hypnosis on continues to be something that's going to benefit me and not something like just something that I just want, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely works. And I, and I believe in it as a therapy also. It's, it's, it's just that the thing that makes me sick about this corporate mindfulness stuff is that it's disingenuous about what it is. You know, yeah. like it pretends it, it like uses Buddhist words to describe what it is and like mm-hmm. just borrows like flagrantly from Buddhist teachings because Buddhist teachings sound good. Right. Yeah. And then like you get into the practice part and it has nothing at all to do with the Buddha's prescription. It's like the opposite of it. And and the I've certainly noticed stuff like that with the even like with what is it i want to call it the prosperity gospel but Mm. it's like non-religious version of that you mean like (laughs) just sort of manifestation culture positive thinking yeah totally yeah yeah and and a lot of that stuff is like self-aware about what it's trying to do you mm. know it's like nakedly sort of egoistic in its pursuit it, it's it's the thing where you start to add aesthetics to like what it means to be calm, what it means to be relaxed, what it means to be stress free. You know, like stress is a is a ter- is like a modern phenomenon that it's very easy to talk about in Buddhist terms, right? Like you can you can mm-hmm. you can do you can spin some really good dharma about how stressful modern life is. But you can also spin it just a little bit so that being stress-free means like doing your job at like A plus performance and just loving every second of it. And that that's what it would mean to be stress-free, right? Like it would, mm-hmm. doesn't mean like work less and have yeah. like more walks outside. It, right. mean, it means accept your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so easy to inject that kind of malicious stuff into a curriculum of mind control that's like not tied to any particular spirituality. It's just like a sort of lifestyle adjustment. I mean, I just think that we work too much in general, too. Like, it's almost like they need some way to convince you that this is okay. This is okay for you. Yeah. I think you're right. This is a decent practice. You'll be fine. And people have done it for a hundred years. So, you know, it's a good way to go. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe we should rethink it because it seems it doesn't seem ideal to me. And it's not I actually like my job. So 
I feel like if I if I like my job and I think it's too much, like I can't imagine someone like dislikes their job and they're doing that. Yeah. Like I, I don't have a yeah, my job does not stress me out this way. And and I'm really grateful for that. And also, you know, it's really interesting. There there is a meditation on Friday mornings at eleven offered by <clears throat> the sort of the wellness department for all offices like they're, they're like it's it, it it isn't an hr thing it's like it's it's more like being on a college campus than being in a corporation you know so it's like mm-hmm. it's not from the hr department it's from the like mental health department mm. uh and so they do these guided meditations that are really nice i've gone to them a few times oh, that's nice. uh and I mean, it's not my thing, you know, it's not like right, stylistically right, yeah. what I, what I do, but also it's like pretty it's hard for me to get up from my desk and go sit Zazen and then get right back at it. You know, like having a little bit yeah. facilitated experience actually really helps. Even so, I feel like my time, like even given this kind of ideal situation in terms of full-time job, mm-hmm. I I still just can't help but feel like the allotment of time in my life is off like Mm -hmm. from what it should be. And, you know, I'm not even saying that I shouldn't be doing this amount of like quote unquote hard things, you know? Oh yeah. No, I'm not saying that either. It's, it's, (laughs) but, but like, when am I supposed to mow my lawn or like fix like something that's broken in my house? You just have to hire people to do it. Right. It's but it's dumb. Like I could do that. I would enjoy doing that. It, well, that's 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 exactly what I'm saying. Like it's just like it keeps adding up where you're like, well, now I don't have to ha- I don't have time to do this and this and then like you have to hire other people to do those things and then that means you're even more tied to your yep. work because now you're reliant on all these people to do all these other things for you and yeah. you're like that becomes more like a feedback loop because you're like well, I can't, I have all these things to pay for. I can't just stop my job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The number, if I like, I don't want to think about the number of times that like the sole issue of health insurance has like controlled my life decisions. Oh, sure. It's important. For years. And and you know how America is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like now with kids, it's like completely non-negotiable. Like, I could I simply couldn't afford to have them help like healthy and taken care of otherwise. You know? Like if I if I had to pay for our insurance ourselves or, or like pay out of pocket for their doctor's appointments, like we wouldn't have enough. You know, it's just simply yeah. like the only way we can do it. So that's ridiculous. It shouldn't be like that. No other civilized nation on earth is like that. Right. But that's just the what that's just where they get you in this particular society. It's it's not like, you know, this isn't a problem everywhere. Like just the whole idea of uh not just not just this kind of work, but like this feedback loop that you're talking about, where like cause it's cause, you know, the economic theory is that that's good. It's good that you employ like thirty people to maintain your household while you do a job right yeah and then you don't have time to spend the quality time with yourself and they're like 
That's another thing you have to hire out. You have to hire out a therapist, therapist to help yeah. you like make that time to do it. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's an hour a week, which is probably not enough yeah. time just to, to devote to that. But if it's all you can do, at least it's like, well, at least a professional is helping you with it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but then they're incentivized to like find some like a checklist item that represents your problem and then like apply the predetermined solution for that problem. And, you know, if you fall through the cracks and don't quite fit the problem that they have a solution for, you're out of luck. And it, it, it's, it, it's, it's really all the same problem, isn't it? It's just like trying to, to measure everything. Like to try and measure and regulate all of life. And there's so much of our, like the, the thing we're talking about, the thing that we're talking about just like needing time and space for is like the immeasurable stuff, the stuff mm-hmm. that cannot be fit into this. And like, yeah, there's just like simply not time for it or energy for it. Those two things are convertible, mm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was a dark ending. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I feel like we, we, we could try and pull it out of there, but like, I don't know. That's where I'm at. That is where I am right now. Yeah, that's where I'm at uh, too. I'm, I'm hoping to, to make space for it, but it is like my, my back hurts. Like everything hurts yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel the same way my stomach hurts it's you know what like let's not force a happy ending like what kind of zen thing would that be like yeah this is where we're at right now namaste <laughs> householders is a production of the atlanta soto zen center in atlanta georgia and the silent thunder order Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashaw.